Today's episode of Make Mind Multiversity is brought to you by Comixology. Immerse yourself in over 20,000 digital comic books, graphic novels, and manga titles from over 125 publishers with Comixology. Our first-in-class exclusive guide to view technology provides an unparalleled immersive and cinematic reading experience for readers. Purchase a la carte titles or start a monthly unlimited account to save 15% on select publishers. Still not sold? Try an unlimited subscription free for 30 days and see why thousands of readers trust Comixology for both classic and new releases from DC, Image, Marvel, and more. Welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jake Hill. And I'm Elias Rosner. And this week we're discussing that sweet, sweet X goodness and something completely different. Excelsior. So, how are we going to do this, Jake? How do you want to kick off our second baseline X? I mean, um, I feel like we should uh, give a little bit of context. Um because uh, we talk about different uh, sorts of books. Sometimes we talk about the Marvel comics that are coming out now, and sometimes we talk about an old Marvel comic. Which one are we talking about this time, Elias? This time we're talking about some of the new comics, specifically the X-Men comics that are coming out after uh, Jonathan Hickman did his big X-Men implosion and then explosion. So this segment, which uh, Twitter poll... Tell us whether or not you like the name. I like it. Uh, uh, Jake, do you like it? Do I like this name? Do you like this name? Be I don't honest, like. I, I don't like any honest. names. I hate everything. I hate all names. You hate all names. So you hate the name Jake and you na- hate the name Hale. Um, I have problems with each of them. I'm very. I, I suppose I shouldn't say I hate all names. I'm very critical of names. I don't like anyone who shares a name with me. For example, if you're another Jake, you're right out in my book. <laughs> Look out, all you Jake fans. I'm sorry. I don't mean it to be personal. Oh, my God. And you know what my least favorite Jake is? Um, Jake from State Farm. <laughs> 3 a.m. Jakes are always a little bit shifty. <laughs> yeah, I got problems. So, But we're talking guys, about, um, yeah, yeah, we're talking about our, our baseline X is what we're calling it. And I like that about as much as I like Jakes. But I like the <laughs> concept, and I'm excited to, to do it. I feel personally attacked by that, but <laughs> so a little explanation for anyone who's new uh, or anyone who'd like a, a refresher. What we're doing is anytime the uh, X-Men or I guess the X line comes full circle. So we have at least one new issue of every series that is still publishing. Uh, we're going to be checking in with the books and then you know, we're going to be ranking them. And sometimes this will be fairly current to what's going on. Sometimes it will seem a little bit far out. But don't worry, we're keeping track. So last time we ranked uh, in order of our least favorite to most favorite series. Uh, There were 12 of them. And since then, there have been two new series, X-Factor and Empire X-Men. Now, Jake and I both had a bit of, I wouldn't call it an argument but we did uh 
we did disagree on whether or not to count Empire X-Men as its own series or not. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, we did sort of have a disagreement. Um, but I, I, Elias brought me around to his way of thinking very quickly. I just thought that because it's um, part of a crossover, it's kind of like not um, often with these crossovers – you, you feel like they were asked by editors, hey, can you make your story make sense with this one? And they're like, yeah, sure. I like getting paid and I like thinking of crazy ideas. I'll make those things work. And that doesn't mean it's a bad story. It's often great, but it's usually not uh, too consequential to um, the overall story. Can I give you an example, Elias, that I know you'll, you'll I think you'll agree with me? Let's go. Um, Jason Aaron's Thor is a tremendous run. I think one of your all-time favorite runs of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to cross over with Secret Wars, and he did in a miniseries called Thors, which was like a Law and Order episode where every cop, criminal, and uh, judge was a Thor. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's like an excellent miniseries, but ultimately it's not uh, hugely consequential to the run. Wow. 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 I disagree with you. I thought you were going to say the, the Ten Realms crossover from Original Sin, which I just ignored when I did my retrospective. Um, well, the problem with that one is it's not very good. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Jason. Yeah, he, he he hits more than he misses. But um, this is true. No, and I and Thor's uh, of course isn't meaningless in the ultimate run of things. But um, but I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's kind of kind of silly, kind of out there, and and doesn't necessarily matter to what came before or after, and everything that is important kind of is. And set I, up elsewhere in the books. And I prefer it that way. That's the, that's like a now for something completely different, and then you do something fun. Yeah, and that's kind of what and, – and I think we'll get into this when we get to it, but that's kind of what Empire X-Men feels like, which is really unfortunate because the main X-Men title is also crossing over with Empire, and so it has the Empire banner. So we've got Empire X-Men, and I'm almost guaranteeing that the trade for – whatever this comes out, it's going to be X-Men Volume 3 Empire. Oh, you're so be, right. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's just going to gonna break us. Uh, but before we get, get into it, I do want to do a, a really quick shout-out to the way Marvel is collecting these comics because you have both the series collections and you have the Dawn of X collections. So anyone who wants to read this in a pseudo publication order at first it was every single issue that was coming out was collected into a trade called dawn of x volume one two three etc uh but once we got to you know having way too many books to fit into one of those they've started paring it down to just the quote-unquote essentials which is pretty cool and it kind of i love this kind of thing of different reading orders that aren't series based Uh, yeah yeah, i've never I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen a trade collector like this before. I know. I wished Hickman's X, uh, not X Men, Avengers and New Avengers was collected like this. Actually, no, I'm comes... lying. I have the New Avengers and mm-hmm. Avengers collected like that in the omnibus. Oh, there's the a om- giant hardcover omnibus, and unfortunately, I think I only have the first volume of it. It was published in two giant hardcovers, and um, they're really expensive. And I don't yeah. know if they publish it anymore. So I think if I had were to track down the second volume of the hardcover, it'd be like three hundred dollars minimum. Oh man. So I don't yeah. think I'm ever so, finishing that. I only have half the Avengers A on my bookshelf. I can see it from here. Well, that's one of those things that it's always fun to kind of do that, and that's where uh, like binds come in. You can do all sorts of weird collected, you know, series that don't necessarily match up. 
Uh, yeah, we oh, know people me. who who do that, and I think it's super cool. But I'm not crafty like that. I, I if I did that, I would look real lousy. Yeah, and if you if you want to learn the ins and outs, and then marvel at how anyone could possibly do that, Greg Mist. Uh, God, why am I blanking on his how to pronounce his last name? That's a, a Tastovich. That sounds right. You, you, you'll Mist- notice that I didn't venture uh, an offer because. <laughs> I should just listen to his Robots from Tomorrow ad. He says his name. Uh, so if we have the Robots from Tomorrow ad in the middle of this, uh, you will know whether how badly I screwed up Greg's name. But Greg has uh, the... Oh, crap. What's it called? The Shelf Bound uh, you're talking uh, about. Yes. Thank you. Shelf Bound uh, column, which he first tells you how the hell binds work and takes you the ins and outs, all the gory details, and then proceeds to create some of his own, and it's always a lot of fun. It's very so cool. I would check I've, I've seen his stuff. It's, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, so moving on before I ramble way too much again, as always, we're going to be reading our list of top... So there are 14 books now, and we're going to be reading them back and forth in order from least favorite all the way to top favorite and unlike last time we're going to be talking kind of more about how things changed than as well as how different our two lists are last time we just talked about how different they were how similar and and kind of some standouts but this time we're also going to be like oh wow you kind of changed that why did you do that uh as well as seeing how our two lists either became more or less in sync so, Jake, why don't you kick us off with number 14, and I have a feeling that that has not changed. Do you feel correctly that it is Fallen Angels? Yep. Same here. Um, so we're going to just go back and forth. Next up uh, for me on the list would be uh, Wolverine. Oh, yep. There, too. Um, yeah, I think we feel similarly about that one. Yeah. Um. All right, moving up for me. The next one up would be X-Force. Ooh. See, I, I I debated on whether or not what to put here, but I have, you will probably be surprised, but happy, X-Men Fantastic Four. I am surprised. I wouldn't go so far to say I'm happy, but I am surprised. <laughs> so what's your... Oh, but so next up for me is uh, X-Men Fantastic Four. Okay, and that's where I had X-Force. I, uh, I really and struggled that, with that. That series concluded since last we talked. Do you want to finish the list first, or you want to stop here and talk about it? Uh, let's finish the list first. Okay, so you moving up. Yeah, I, I did X-Force. X-Force. Uh, my next one up is New Mutants. All right. I have Cable. Um, I have Giant Size X-Men, although we're, we're well into the territory of I love all these books. I am also now in Giant Size territory. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a tide. Uh, next, uh, above that for me is Cable. Oh, I've got your favorite, Marauders. Uh, that is blasphemy, but I think it's higher than it was last time. <laughs> um, my next book up is Excalibur, which I know feels low uh, for how a lot of people have it. Ooh, I've got I've got Helians here. Um, my next one is Hellions, and then I've got New Mutants. Um, yeah, this is looking a little different up here. Um, after Hellions, I have X Men. I wow, I I've got Excalibur here. Um. My next one up is X-Factor, a new entry on this list. Ooh, we've got a tie. And uh, my number one remains Marauders. I'm realizing now, even though I agreed to rank it, I forgot to rank Empire X-Men. Ooh. Actually, you you missed... We do. 
What else did I miss? I don't I don't know because I had at number three Empire X Men. Um, I must have doubled up or something. That's okay. Oh, I, I think I think I know. You you didn't do House of X Powers of Ten. Oh, you're right. I didn't do House of X Powers of Ten. <laughs> I forgot we agreed that today too. I'm so sorry. I agreed to these rules, which I do. I stand by the agreement. I really just forgot. <laughs> so we may we may have to do some uh, retconning to our lists. Oh nonsense! I'm, I'm, I'm guessing not much. Yeah, not much. Um, let's finish. I mean, let's have the discussion now. I apologize. All right, let, actually, let's re-rank the, the top five. So I've got uh, Excalibur at number five. Um, unless unless you're putting uh, Empire X-Men and House of X Powers of Ten out of the top five. Um, Empire X-Men is not in my top five. Ooh. Although I do like All right. it. Um, yeah, I have to figure out my entire list again. I don't want to hold this up. Uh, let's talk about if need be. If need be, we we could always re-record this entire part. I like having that option, but I don't want to slow us down. All right, so I, I got my top I, five. Then my top five from five to one is number five Hellions, number four X Men, number three X Factor, number two House of X Powers of Ten, and number one Marauders. All right, and I've got Excalibur, X-Factor, Empire X-Men, X-Men, House of X, Powers of Ten. Um, I think it's cool that a bunch of new books are hanging out near the tops of the list. Yeah. House of X, Powers of Ten might might soon, in the next couple months, start to drift down the list, which is not to say that it is bad, but some of these other books, they're, they're eyeing that top spot, and they they could very well do it. Um, we'll talk about those books. Uh no reason to dance around it let's um so x factor is that your number two N- no number four number four it's my number three um so right out of the gate we love x factor right oh my god this was a hell of a debut i reviewed it for the site i loved it but i didn't love it more than x-men especially not during this last month i really loved the tie-in issue that Hickman's created. I I think I've just got this a soft spot for the way Hickman has been crafting the main X-Men book as a lot of standalones that tell a lot of really interesting stories that are definitely going to pay off somewhere at some point and we don't really know where that is yet but it doesn't matter and that's the key part because if these things weren't paying off and I was frustrated at the end of every issue I would be writing this thing off and putting it at number 13 or 14 but he makes the adventure so interesting X Factor comes in kicks the door down, throws up three middle fingers and says, we're doing our own st- thing over here. Help us find the missing mutants. Um, Fuck yeah. The characters are just throwing up middle fingers. I feel like the book is... It, one of the things I love about the book is how it's so... Um, it like feels so logical. Like um, A couple of the other books come in, the new ones come in. Like Cable happened, and I was like, do we really need to know what Cable's up to? Oh, this is super fun. But no, I don't feel like we needed to know what Cable was doing. It doesn't seem... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem particularly important to the greater themes of the the narrative. But then X mm-hmm. Factor comes in and it's like, oh yeah, without X Factor, all of this would be nonsense. X Factor is completely necessary. It's asking all the important questions about all the craziest things, and it's like uh, taking the time to explore it. It's the book is so logical in its in its existence. Yeah, and it's really interesting, especially because I never would have thought of it. 
like I'm sure I'm sure that given long enough I would have been like you know what they probably would have private eyes at some point <laughs> well, but, I don't know if private eyes is the most logical conclusion, but definitely. But hey, um, that those are the exact word. Well, they use investigations in the in that ad in the middle of the book. I no, think no, that they ad pay, pay tribute come at to the, the end, but I, I quibble. And they pay tribute to the series uh, Private Eye Past, um, and they're, yeah, they're definitely investigators. No, I just mean like um, it's so logical that like um, that somebody would question the order like the, the the long line of who gets resurrected in what order because like somebody's brother isn't getting resurrected for another six years until they get down on the list alphabetically or however they decided to do it and yeah. then like x-force yeah, yeah. is constantly dying like I, domino is and colossus are just like dying in every other issue and how often has uh, the wolverine and cyclops died and they're always resurrected and you think when cyclops dies uh they have they make him wait in line no way he gets to the front of the line and then that person's brother is six years in one day now that's a good point just like somebody was going to get mad about that and it makes sense that it was north star and this to me is my favorite part of the issue because i've never been a north star fan I have no clue who this guy is before this. Northstar is like, what if you took Namor's personality, but he wasn't a king? He was just like an asshole from Canada. <laughs> he was like shouting Imperious Rex, and you're like, you're not the Rex of anything, buddy. That's what Northstar always... That's amazing. Um, he, he bears the honor of being, I think, Marvel's first out gay character, which is uh, historically important. Mm. And... What Leah Williams seizes upon, and what I love how she takes these characters that I never cared one whit about, it makes me the my new favorites. Um, that's her. That's her biggest strength. In ways I think that, every book she's written that I've read, I've come away with that in the same way. She did that with Mysterio and Amazing Mary Jane. <laughs> she did that with Gwenpool and Gwenpool. She did that with. I was gonna say Quentin Quire, but Kelly Thompson made me like Kent, Quentin Quire. But she did it with um, Blob in. Um, she did, yeah. I love in, Blob in now. I like, I like, I, I went back and I read Silver Age Blob stuff, and I was just like, this guy's gonna be a nice bartender one day. <laughs> and he's he's even here. But, yeah, because he's here. Um, but I, yeah, I do. She made me so excited, and so North Star is always an asshole so she uses him properly and she's just like um what if he was the asshole who questioned everything that everyone believed in and that's such a great role for him he's like he, he just because he's doing it rudely doesn't mean he's wrong that's true that's and true. i love that that's a, such a smart role for that character like uh, usually he's there to just like quit the team a lot and talk about how he doesn't believe in the mission and i wonder if he's going to do that again uh, well, he's the leader now, which is cool. But but he, oh, the mission is like uh, his vision because the mission is because he complained. He took on this mission, and I love the idea of like North Star is a guy who gets stuff done. I'm sure there's some North Star fan out there who's like North Star's always gotten stuff done, and that's a beautiful thing about comics. But show me the issues, I guess. I'll read them. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I again, I didn't really know most of these characters before this. I kind of knew Eyeboy from. <laughs> One of the Age of X-Men tie-ins. Oh, and Generation X, because he was on that really cool Dodson cover. Uh, yeah, that was a really cool. I know the exact cover you're talking about. I love that cover. Yeah, Dodson doesn't mess around, except in um, another oh. book that I'd like to briefly talk about, which is uh, X-Men <laughs> Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Before we get to that, enlighten me and the audience, but mostly me. Who is Amazing Baby? Oh, uh, this is from Excalibur, if you recall. 
Oh my god. Yeah, they're all the, very tied in. Amazing Baby is one of the werewolves who um, Excalibur battled. Um, the werewolves' place in Excalibur history is they were the very first villain battled in the very first issue of Excalibur in the 80s. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I may have missed that issue then because I missed one issue of Excalibur in the middle. I missed one issue of almost every series they, uh, from yeah. that original six. I, I, I have a similar habit when I collect that way. Um, they... Um, they were in a couple issues in the beginning, but um, but they so uh, the werewolves came back in Teeny Howard's caliber, and at the end of that arc, Psylocke gifted that werewolf to Rachel Summers, who has apparently named it Amazing Baby. That's amazing. You and I have a similar predilection for we love cute monsters, right? This is something we we share. Jeff, I love cute Jeff monsters. Jeff the Land Shark. Yeah, I know you love Jeff the Land Shark. Jeff's pretty good. The I gotta give it up for Jeff. Shark. Nah, nah, I'm reluctantly giving it up for Jeff. He feels very manipulative, but it's working. That's the best kind. It's when they don't work, they're just like, why are you here? But if it works, you you can begrudgingly accept it and then become a super fan. No, but Amazing Baby is effortless. Amazing Baby doesn't even have to try. No, Amazing Baby does not. How how did I forget Amazing Baby was an Excalibur? I know because it's from the Before Times. Yes, that issue came and out the, the Before, before times. times. Is a blur. I but... was very excited for that issue because it had Cullen Bloodstone and um, and the Warwolves, just like a bunch of weird stuff that I like. I like Cullen Bloodstone. <laughs> Don't worry, Elias. We'll read some Cullen Bloodstone one day. All right. So let let's talk let's talk X Men Fantastic Four. All right. So. Let's let's do it because we probably won't get a chance again, considering it's it's uh, over, right? That's yeah. Um, so uh, just to jog everyone's memory, I have not. I, I love every single creator involved in X Men Fantastic Four, and it's just never worked for me. Um, I I when I liked the first issue the most. I think I wanted to like it, but then it just never really came together for me. And I felt that way for most of the fourth issue until that crazy Black Mirror ending. Okay, so I'm with you there. I liked it a lot more. I, it just it fell it fell far. I think because I reevaluated my feeling on Giant Sized. I re and X Men Fantastic Four on my previous list sat at like number six, and most of the most of the stuff b- below it I reevaluated, and. Like it, it could float a little bit down there with X Force and and perhaps Cable. Uh, it's not that I don't like Cable. Cable was I still really really enjoyed, but the second issue just I didn't love it, and it felt a little little em- not empty, but felt like it was spinning its wheels a little bit. Which kind of it, it is the point of that series. It feels like a, a si- pseudo a- slice of life with young sexy cable running around with his big ass sword it's a little fluffy. stuff's happening in the background but it, it's not there yet inconsequential yeah but i'm still really enjoying it i'm not saying it's a bad book i'm not even saying it's a okay book it's a good book it's just trying to find the right order on these things it kills me sometimes i'm like it's not really like x-men fantastic Four isn't the third worst book but after reading the fourth one i was like I don't know. There's there's something about it. I love, but... All right. Putting all that aside. Yeah. Let's just talk the ending, because that ending... I am so happy that we got that ending that way, because that's going to feed, I think, a lot of tension between the Fantastic Four and the X-Men going forwards. 
Right, and that was the point of the series was to create tension. Yeah, and for the most part, it didn't really do it well because, sure, Charles Xavier and and Cyclops were both being total douche nozzles, and uh, Reed Richards was just being not the father of the year. And none of the Fantastic Four really were... And normally Zdorowski is very, very good at getting the Fantastic Four, but here they felt a little off throughout, maybe because he was really trying to seed the 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 anger and the animosity so that Franklin would be kind of caught in the middle and be like, I don't want either of you. He needed to make that part believable. Yeah, and like, then um, it ends, so the ending that I loved, um, that, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I guess I should talk about why I love it so much, is that... Um, Professor X and Magneto saunter into Reed's lab. They, they come to the Fantastic Four. They don't live in the Baxter building. Where do they live now? Oh, 4 Yancey, Yancey Street. Street. Yeah, they live on Yancey Street itself. So they saunter up to 4 Yancey Street. And Professor, uh, with Franklin, like uh, he's coming home with his teachers who are dropping by. And he's just like, uh, hey, Sue. Hey, Ben. Say hey to Johnny for me. And Sue's like, you want to stay for dinner? And they're like, no, nah, we just want to come by. We want to say hey to you guys. Can we say hi to Reed? Yeah, he's upstairs. And they go upstairs. And then Professor X freaking mind wipes uh the smartest man the self-proclaimed smartest man in the world uh of being able to uh, remember how to build the mutant masking machine that he used to hide uh, franklin's mutant gene um but not only does he wipe his memory <laughs> he um wipes parts of his memory but leaves intact the memory of having his memory wiped so he knows that if he tries to go down that path again professor x is just gonna come right back to his house and mess with him again because he can do that and then Magneto is just like, magnets, yeah! And he uh, blows up the machine because <laughs> he's a really good hype man, it turns out. Magneto is the ultimate hype man. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I, I think you probably want to talk about the specifics of how that memory loss is portrayed in the final pages. I I, am, I do. I love that. I know. Before, I You love that right stuff. Right before we get to that, I wanted to kind of talk because memory mind wiping in comics is so fraught. Yeah, that's a great because point. Because of how it's used, especially at the Distinguished Competition. Uh, so the number one, like, people always kind of talk about uh, identity crisis at DC. I try not to. Main pl- <laughs> but one of the main plot points is that the Justice League mind wipes Batman to forget some event. No, details aren't important. And what makes it so incredulous or it makes a lot of a lot of people incredulous not because it's necessarily bad in theory but because none of these characters would agree to it superman wouldn't agree to doing this and it, it's not believable here it's, it's, i totally believe xavier xavier would do this and leaving the memory makes it even more like not even twisting the knife it's like that's it's a clear calculated move and it's not just oh we need a way out of this it's xavier comes in and says this is our new status quo we won't let it be threatened with this machine reed you overstep well and he invokes the time that uh he and reed were on a super villain team together called the illuminati and he was just like hey remember when they were, we were in the illuminati and we would mind wipe people mm-hmm. we would not let them remember that we mind wiped them then they would come for us for revenge but i want you to know that i mind wiped you special like that was such a, a power move where he uh said and if you think that we're doing bad guy stuff we used to do bad guy stuff together we broke bad yeah yeah, and that was also in another Hickman book, New Avengers. 
Uh, that's right, although Professor X was dead by the time Hickman took over that book, so uh, Beast took oh, his place shit, on the Illuminati. Right. That was the Illuminati under Bendis then, right? Yeah, earlier under Bendis when Professor X and Reed were on it together. They wiped minds all the time back in those days. Gotta love it. Yeah. Early 2000s, Mind White Central. Well, well, so that's what's fun is that um, the book definitely understands that this is a scary beat, not a triumphant beat. Um, yeah. But it's also a triumphant beat, so you get the mixed feelings. I don't know. This was the only part of the comic that really landed for me, and it landed so hard that it almost made me retroactively like the series a little better. <laughs> I think it could have been – I think Zdar- if Zdarsky had kind of, I guess, toned down the everyone's an asshole and toned up the 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 sinister nature of – the manipulation of power well, th- such that it wasn't all doom is coming and doom is here for his normal megalomaniacal plans within plans within plans. Yeah, the doom stuff is really what didn't work. You're, that that was the weakest part. But, and I like watching doom just pontificate and be like stuff, but we spent two issues dealing with that. and We really didn't need two issues with that. Yeah, doom but, is my favorite villain, like ever. But, yeah. I know. You love Doom. He's the most overrated villain in Marvel, and yet somehow still underrated. That's how great Doom is. He is He is pretty good. But in, in this, he didn't work as well, and I think it would have been much nicer to have more of the conflict be between the parents, between Reed and Xavier, and, and Sue, and, and Begnito, and I guess... Uh, ben and and Johnny could be there too, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, was we, it? We didn't really need them for this story because it's a Franklin Richards story. That's okay. Not every Fantastic Four story has to be about all four of them. That's a good point, but they didn't really need to be there other than to to be Sue and and Reed's hype people and or conscious to be like, hey, you know, chipping your son isn't a good idea. They were super cool with that too. Like they weren't angry if i remember correctly earlier in the book and i was like that seems kind of weird and that's all i thought the thing would be really pissed like he would be all for franklin yeah well it's old hat for the fantastic four their morality is very bendable depending on who's writing them and what monstrosity reed has invented i guess um reed's always the worst but i i don't think it's as simple as uh i don't think you can be like ah if they just focused on this or just change this one thing it was like it was really complicated how bad it was because now a lot of the decisions make sense to go for that ending because it was so surprising and so uh well delivered but um yeah it just wasn't a fun fun ride to get there so i would you know i wouldn't recommend reading it except by people who uh are really curious about this era of zadarsky I still would say read it because it's only four issues and unlike Fallen Angels, you reach the end and you're like, there was a lot here that worked. There was a lot here that didn't, but I kind of also, I think, attribute that to it being under the Fantastic Four office instead of the X-Men office. I think if Zdarsky had been able to work a little bit closer with the other X-Men creators... He might have been able to thread that thread that line a little, thread that needle a little bit more. Um, but that could also just be me throwing my hands in the air and going you know, uh, retroactively justifying my six from last time. No, no, no need to justify. I that the the fun of these lists is the motion. Uh, if they move, then the lists are successful. True. And speaking I of, the, I, yeah, I, I still don't know whether or not it's better or worse than X Woman because that final twist was so good, especially the way 
So let's talk about it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. The final three were they splash pages? Were they two page spreads? Uh, they were the data pages, just like in the X books. Yeah, but were were they two page spreads or were they just a singular page? I read it digitally. Um, I think they were two page spreads. That makes sense. That's how I would do it if I was scripting it. So, and I know things apparently. Apparently, I'm very confident. <laughs> so the first, it's the data page of one of Reed's designs. Uh, as all of as it is now implied that all the data pages from X Men Fantastic Four are Reed's data pages. They are his designs, his his, his stuff, his diaries. It's, it's been pretty clear. I missed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Now I feel like a douche. Um, no, I. It might also be the the before times have wiped my memory, but I don't think I noticed or it didn't click. It probably it probably is fairly obvious. I just didn't I consciously seem, notice. I seem to remember in one of the first issues him being like, "My son Franklin, Sue, and I." I feel like he said something like that. Oh, probably. But if I'm misremembering, then I apologize. I, I may have just been assuming that they were the weird omniscient uh, Zadarsky's talking kind of like how we don't know if that's when, a when I'm reading Marauders, it sounds like Jerry Duggan's talking. <laughs> Well, that's fair. Uh, but so the final th- three splash, not three two-page spreads are data pages, and the first one is a fairly complete version of this mutant uh, masker, and it, it goes through Reed's explanations and whatnot, and then you turn the page, and suddenly they all just there's just holes in it. I didn't know what I was it seeing at like first. They're just slowly being pixelated and, and erased, and you're like, oh, and then you turn the page again, and it's just like. Even fewer words. I think there may have actually been four, not three. No, it's three. It starts off relatively complete, then there's big holes in it, and then you turn the page and it's gone. I love that. Yeah, that was just great comic booking. Just like, dude, that was just great writing comics. Yeah. For that twist alone, it really redeemed a lot of the series from being way in the pits. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the fact that it was planned to be four issues, and it's only four issues, I think goes a long way to also absolving it of some of its problems because it's not trying to be more and longer but it also makes some of those sins worse like doom if it was more and longer we probably could understand why we spent a bunch of time dealing with doom because it might pay off later in the book now you never know though because uh or he would have just uh, made less sense for longer oh god oh don't just don't remind me um there was a uh, two other uh relatively new additions that I think are worth noting from uh, the list this month. And All right, go, the, go for it. I think they're uh, Hellions and Empire X-Men, right? Those are the two I think we need to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's do let's do Hellions first. I agree. And I th- it probably is should be pronounced Hellions and not Helions because it's hell. I, There's no two E's. I always <laughs> said Helians uh, when I was reading it as a kid and as an adult and well into my 20s. And then I think I said the word to my girlfriend, and uh, she was like, you mean Helians? And we always mispronounce words that we read to each other all the time, and we're always being brutal about it because the, uh, I don't know why we're so mean to each other about it. I guess we're the only ones who have ever done it as egregiously. We're terrible. Um, uh, but she really beat into me that it's Helians. Well, maybe I'll just say Helians so that uh, when she listens to these, if she listens to these, she can <laughs> cringe and uh, send me an angry tweet. Um, that sounds unlikely on a couple of fronts. <laughs> uh, but regardless, um, Hellions, the book about the um, the team of misfit outsiders who don't really uh, fit into Krakoan society very well, 
being organized onto a redemption team led by Mr. Sinister and Psylocke. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a redemption team. That sounds wild. Uh, like some kind of suicide squad, you say? Like some kind, of, yeah. Um, we've got we've got our. Uh... It's got the most eclectic roster of any. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Any X book. Um, but going through, I don't even know what to make. Honestly, I don't know what to make of this book. I'm almost more. But I love every moment of it. If you love this, I have an era of X Men for you. Oh God. Uh, I th- maybe I should maybe I should soften that stance. I don't I don't particularly love every second of it, but I am enjoying watching these awful people be stuck in awful situations. All right. So one thing I really love about this book is this is a really important flavor of X Men. I feel like in the X Men line is like the scumbag team, and this was really important in the '90s, but in the 2000s, I feel like this really re- reached its uh its apex with uh, mm-hmm. Craig Kyle. And Chris Yost's uh, X Force, mm. um, a run that lives in fame and infamy, and um, a lot of the books that they touched around that time, and then um, how X Force continued into Rick Remender's Uncanny X Force, this like baroque, tragic scumbags. That's how I would describe this flavor of X Men. And I think that's a pretty accurate description of this group. And unlike, I'm gonna keep calling, comparing it to Fallen Angels. Mostly because this that's what this book felt like when it was announced. And I think we even Kevin or, or, or you or, or someone commented that when we were like, why does this book need to exist? Isn't, isn't it just Fallen Angels rebooted? And not really, but it had, I think, a similar... Not... Not, uh, into, uh, not a similar flavor. Yeah, but not mission, but Big. core thesis, which is let's take the the mutants that don't fit in and make them on a team. The only difference is with Fallen Angels, the mutants that didn't fit in were the loners, and this is uh, a team of mutants that don't fit in because they literally want to fuck around with everyone else in the worst ways. I think it is bold of you to posit that Fallen Angels have something like a thesis. Well, may- maybe thesis is the wrong word, but, like, the elevator pitch. Yeah. Well, I feel like this this fits a similar niche, and it's kind of what X-Force, the book that's called X-Force, is usually that book. Um, but X-Force this time is going for more of a, uh, like, a high-octane CIA uh, espionage story. It's just like a— Which is exactly what it should be Well, that's because but... of the Krakoa era. Right, exactly. That's like a fun, I, great idea. I love the pitch for that. Um, this is more similar to what an X Force book is often like, or the ones that I've most enjoyed are like what Hellions is now. And I also like that they're exploring stuff like um, Madeline Pryor has been back. Someone she got resurrected uh, years ago, and no one has thought to do anything with her. So, so who is this Madeline Pryor? Oh my God, Elias! Why do you ask who an X Men character is like that as a simple answer? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say things, and you're just gonna <laughs> scream. Is what's gonna happen? Okay, Madeline Pryor, ready for this? Is Cable's mother? That's the first thing I'm gonna tell you. What? You know Cable? Yeah, future, future Nathan Summers or something. Yeah, Nathan Summers. If Cyclops, uh, Scott Summers is his father. His mother is Madeline Pryor. Okay. Um, Did Madeline Pryor pretend to be Jean Grey for a while? How dare you? Madeline Pryor was a uh, pilot. Um, I, I believe she delivered uh, cargo or, or mail or something. She was like a, but she, she flew like little uh, planes by herself. 
and um, she met Cyclops, and Cyclops left the X-Men to retire and marry her. Oh. And uh, they retired to Alaska together. Okay. And he has this baby. Uh, they name him Nathan. And then mm-hmm. he finds that the gene is back from the dead. And this is where it gets like impossible to tell the story because Chris Claremont basically wanted to write Cyclops out of the book. And he's like, and Cyclops settled down and had a kid with a woman who looked a lot like Jean. Isn't that weird? But we're going to leave that mysterious. And he's going to like come back in the book sometimes as like a guest and everyone will gasp. But, mm-hmm. but Marvel editors said, nah, we're bringing back all the original five X-Men and we're calling it X-Factor. And that was the first X-Factor book. And they made him bring Jean back after Dark Phoenix, uh, where she had died. Um, and um, nobody, and he didn't want to do that, but they uh, kind of, uh, he pitched that they made it Jean's sister, Sarah Gray. And, uh, and Marvel was like, nah. Um, and so they brought back Jean, and Cyclops leaves Madeline right at the beginning of that series for Jean. And it's like heartrending because he has a kid what? with her. It's maybe the scummiest, worst thing he's ever done, although that's like a pretty competitive list. So I'm sure. I was going to say top 10. You probably get away with a top 100. Um, I think this is a strong contender for number one, though, is leaving his wife and kid to get back together with his resurrected ex. Yeah. Um, and, um, and Madeline. Um, eventually gets written into this like super psycho jaded lover and she uh, makes packs with demons and uh, that's the inferno crossover is madeline Pryor becomes the goblin queen and this like demonic sorceress and uh, part of this is motivated by the fact that she goes crazy when she discovers that she is just a gene clone created by mr sinister to produce cable so i was right um, well, she didn't fake being Jean. Mr. Sinister tried to uh, manipulate Cyclops because he was just like, I know Scott Summers, and that fool will just, like, bone any girl who looks exactly like his ex. So that actually makes a lot more sense now why she's the villain of this book, considering it's Mr. Sinister's team, and they keep teasing Inferno and bits of Inferno and in all the other books. Maybe not all the other books. Hickman keeps teasing that, and then War of King with Vulcan. I know nothing about this, folks. Oh, yeah, so these are all favorites of mine. J- Jake knows all these things, and if you're bigger X-Men fans than I, they probably do. But don't worry, one day we'll talk about it, probably <laughs> when Hickman starts referencing it more. Um, Yeah, but the, the, the important thing is that nobody in comics ever has been done as dirty as Madeline Pryor. She got dealt yeah. so dirty... Um, and, um, so they're bringing her back as a villain, yes, but it's cool because she's antagonizing Mr. Sinister, and she's never really reconciled stuff with him. They kind of just, like, Sinister kept on doing crazy stuff, and Madeline Pryor died. Um, and she was brought back a decade ago, and, um, nothing came of it. So now she can finally face down her creator, who screwed Uh her so over. I'm just, I guess so. Hellions is going to be great. Also, all of the also all of the previous Hellions, right? That's right. Th- those are the previous. Um, those are, that's the not the Reavers, the Marauders, the original Marauders. Oh, the the original Marauders. Yes, wrong 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 book. Yeah, a lot of a lot of teams naming themselves after other too teams. Many team names, and they all There's trade them like names. their baseball cards. Yeah. Um. But this is this is a this book. I'm really digging because it's also kind of that it's got that horror fuel and the question of what the fuck is wrong with Havoc. I think that's what's really what's getting not wrong with Havoc. I I'm hate enjoying, Havoc. I'm enjoying everything, but I'm really interested in, in the, the mystery of 
What's with Havoc? Everything. I hate Havoc. Havoc's the worst X-Men. I said it. I oh. hate Havoc. Oh. I, I'm, I have no strong feelings about Havoc either way. I just really want to know why there's strange woman on the shoulders, why he murdered a bunch of people, and why he doesn't seem to remember any of it. Uh, well, Rick Remender turned him evil in Axis, for one. I blocked that event from my memory. There's a great multiversity series about it that I recommend. I blocked that series from my memory. <laughs> um, there's one last X-Men series I think we need to talk about in detail, and that is Empire X-Men, a book that you feel very strongly about. Fuck yeah. If I, if, I, I might put it as number one next time just to force Jake to talk about it again. I'll talk about it. I get stuff to say. <laughs> you, you, Elias, you don't have to work I, hard to get me to talk about shit. I promise. That, this is fair. This is fair. I'm, lo- I'm loving this book because it's, it's just, just bonkers. I think te- teeny, so the writers are Teeny Howard and Jonathan Hickman. It's being drawn by Matteo Bufagni, colored by someone, and lettered by someone else. I will fill it in when I find it again, but or maybe Jake will if he beats me to it. But essentially, I will beat you to the, it. You you will beat me to it. Uh, Empire X Men is written by Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard and drawn by Matteo Buf- uh, Bufagni. Bufagni. Mm-hmm. Um, colored by Nolan Woodard and lettered by, of course, Clayton Cowles with Tom Muller's gorgeous design work doing the title and letters pages. There we go. All right. So he has saved me from certain doom. It's the whole book. It's It almost certainly came about because the, the X creators were sitting around a table bouncing ideas around. They were like, oh, we got to do a tie-in for this new Empire event. It's about alien plants or something. And Teeny Howard probably slammed her hand down on the table and went, I fucking know what we're doing. Drew up a, a sketched out a data page, threw it at Tom Muller, and Muller went, yes. And then they wrote an adventure around the silly pun of alien plants versus mutant zombies. I don't know if it's a pun, but it's a very funny title. I love it. And... I think that's the basic thesis <laughs> of this book. The thesis is what if plants but versus the thesis zombies? The is plants versus zombies, but the Marvel version. And it it kind of feels like that already because you've just got these waves of zombies and the waves of, of plant creatures, uh, the, the Kotati. And they haven't yet come into contact with each other, but they're definitely about – well, they, they have already. But I'm excited to see where this is going. Especially because there's also a, spoilers, there is a third party that hates both of them. Uh, which I am very excited about. I have a theory that the, comic, the best comic creators are excellent collaborators because of the way in which comics are so collaborative. And Hickman, I think, is great. I, I, I think he does really phenomenal, extraordinary work. And Teeny Howard, um, I've loved all her work as well. And I don't think she's written her magnum opus yet. I feel like it's still that's still yet to come. Mm-hmm. But but she's never she's never pitched a dud as far as I can tell either. And um, what's cool is she and Hickman bring such different things to the table. And since they're both such good collaborators, because they're such good comic creators, um, they're also collaborating with each other as writers. And the script to this feels like it's drawing upon both their strengths. And I can feel both of them like getting better from a good collaboration. And that's like my favorite shit in comics. I love that. Yeah, Hit. and you can really feel it in the book while you're reading it. And, be- and props to the art team, too. Bufagni and Woodard. You love Bufagni, right? 
I don't love Buffagni. I, I thought you were big on Buffagni. I mean, I I only know him from from some of his other X work, and I really liked him there. But I wouldn't say I'm like huge super fan in the same way that I'm of, of other artists like uh, Mike Del Mundo or, or Dowderman. But when but him drawing this this issue reminds me of the way Greg Smallwood did Moon Knight as well as the that really weird issue of Savage Avengers where they basically just had a two page framing story and then reprinted some the the Kulan Goth saga from the from, uh, our good friend Roy Thomas back in <laughs> I, th- I think the seventies. So from from the Conan books I I believe. And it's it's that soft. It, it looks soft, but it's also very well detailed without being overdrawn. Yeah, it's kind of got a, a BPRD universe feel, like or a little bit more. Yeah, uh, a, a little a little bit less less processed than 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 the BPRD universe. Yeah, while simultaneously being a little bit more detailed, like a yeah. it gets a little more texture where BPRD is like a big abstract, colorful spaces. Yeah, 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 and I think the strength in the book also lies in his ability to balance drawing a singular character in this big environment and drawing just a fuck ton of of you know mutant zombies and alien plants without making them feel like cut and paste job. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking through the issue and it's amazing how often he doesn't draw crowds. He just draws close up of people's eyes and mouths and swords and hands. But um, because there was a big crowd on the page, each of these panels like really stretches that moment out. It, like yeah, he, it's one drawing that gets to carry the beat for the entire page through all these uh, little character and story beats. It's really amazing, and I'm real. I'm excited just to see through the end of this. It's. I don't know if it's going to matter at all to anything important. I think it will. It sounds like it will. It's included in the, not the countdown, the... The official reading order. Thank you. In the In the back of the book. And it's only four issues, which, that's nice. It's a tie-in to the event, and you need to, you don't need to know jack diddly about the event. Yeah, there's just bad guys in it. I ranked it right yeah. behind Giant Size X-Men. Um, the first two issues of Giant Size X-Men, I extra- the first issue was just extraordinary. It was just Russell Dodderman, a tour de force of him just doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second issue was Alan Davis just, like, doing an Alan Davis story and uh, Hickman having a delightful time doing, like, an Alan Davis cover band with the man himself. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, like, I- that happened, I guess. It was cool. Uh, there was, like, a squid. Um, I loved that one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It just like it, it felt immaterial. <laughs> I, I loved watching Magneto buy a house. Yeah, Magneto buys a house by fighting a squid. I don't know. <laughs> just... I, you know, I'll tell you the truth, Elias. I've seen Magneto buy a lot of houses over the years. Oh, <laughs> well, that might that might be it. You might be jaded to his house buying. Magneto buys a lot of houses. He buys islands. He buys castles. He buys asteroids. He buys space stations. He buys just Magneto has a, a lot of bases. Um. Yeah. And uh, Empire X-Men um, is really, really good, but I love the giant size just is like a hair uh, beyond it because I love how artist-driven it is. And Empire X-Men just seems like a really fun issue from a bunch of fun creators jamming. That's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm putting it near the top because I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. I'm, just, I'm enjoying watching them jam, and I think they're doing it so well. Absolutely. I just, that, that's about it. 
I don't really have any any deeper thoughts about why why this series is so high, and some other people might be like, why the fuck is Marauder so far down? And I can just shrug. Well, you're just doing that to be mean. No, I'm not just doing it to be mean. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I could probably give it a little a little bit more leeway, but it's more fun to leave it near the middle. All right, but just to be clear, it did, it's number it, one. It's actually so it did go up. So it did go up in my rankings. It's just X Factor and Empire both blew me away, so they went much higher. Otherwise, Marauders uh, did raise in the rankings for me, even if it's now at eight instead of seven. Uh, that covers all the X books I had pressing feelings about. Was there anything else that you thought was worth mentioning? No, no, not not in terms of why it moved or any, or, or whatnot. Um, well, we'll, we'll check back in most of it. after another cycle. But for now, I think there's a new segment that we're going to introduce to the show. There is. As you know, we love our new segments, <laughs> uh, but not news segments. Those are... We don't love those. We, we can take or leave them. And the, excuse me, the good or bad about the, about the current times is most of the news that would have been announced at San Diego or whatnot has been kicked down the road a few months and or canceled. So everything we're getting now has been mostly did and known about since the book. But our new segment, it is – I don't know if we've come up with a name for it. I know I know, I know. know Jake doesn't love names. I've been calling I this really one – I like having names. I've been calling this the um, uh, Marvel uh, – I guess the Worldwide Marvel Heavyweight Championship Belt. I was going to say we could just go with Contest of Champions. Well, you, uh, the competitors will fight in the contest of champions to determine who is the worldwide Marvel uh, heavyweight championship yes. belt wielder. That's a lot better. Yeah, I left a lot to be desired. The game master would be disappointed. No, no, you played the essential move. The game master would be pleased. And then he would eviscerate me because he he would be like, "Hi, I'm 17 moves ahead of you, and I'm also playing 7D chess against your chess." Um, but I don't think the Game Master is likely to premiere in this segment. I guess, uh... He might. I mean, if, if we ever if we ever do, uh, uh, the third sequel to, uh, No Road Home. Um. I'm sorry, No Surrender. Avengers No Surrender. Yeah, he was alright in that. That was cool. Um, but this is not for... Anyway. Yeah, this is not for books we feel mildly about. This is for the, uh, Worldwide Marvel Heavyweight Championship belt. So what this is, is, um, I'm a big fan of, um of pro wrestling um uh an activity that elias uh has not joined me for yet no i have not although i am constantly amazed at the overlap between the wrestling community and the comics community and the wrestling community and the anime community and i really shouldn't be so surprised because wrestling is just a big performance art storytelling device soap opera but with sport instead of Aliens. One day, superpowered people. One day, you and me will stream an episode of uh, Lucha Underground together, and suddenly the, the world will make sense to you. Ah, so the decent wrestling. Oh, I got wrestling decent and otherwise. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so that inspired me for this uh, new segment. So, what we're gonna do is Elias and I read most every Marvel book, with few exceptions, uh, every week and every month. We we keep up. Mm-hmm. Um. And we want to talk about, like, what we're most excited about. So uh, the heavyweight champion is the Marvel book that's our favorite right now that we're the most excited about. That it's, um, I do say that your favorite, your, the book that you're most excited about, do you read it first or last? I know comics fans do it in different ways. 
That's a good question. It <laughs> depends on the week. Really? You, sw- Most, you switch off? I do because some weeks I just don't have a lot of time. And when I don't have a lot of time, I want to read the good stuff first. But when I'm reading, when I do have the time, I like to start with the crappy stuff or the stuff that I don't think I'm going to like. Or the new stuff, like if it's a number one issue and I have no idea what to expect. Because I don't want to run out of the momentum. Because if I'm starting to flag, if I'm starting to be like, ah... I don't really want to keep reading. I can pick up something that I really like because that will help me get over that or be a good cap off. Some weeks there's a book that I just cannot wait for and I'll read that first and then I'll jump to something that's kind of, kind of, you know, not so great. But it, like I said, it depends on the week. I uh, see for me, I, uh, I get the, my pile of comics, and then I see a couple, and just like they, I, they grab me, and it's, uh, I, I rocket towards them at Sonic the Hedgehog speeds, and I just uh, have, you know, I'm so excited for the new issue, and then I look at my pile, and I'm like, what else am I excited for? And I just keep on going, and then eventually, when I run out of steam, um, that's the stuff that like maybe I'll get to, maybe I won't. Yeah. But I, I start, it starts with the number one most exciting, and you work your way until you're not excited about anything. So, in this new, sometimes I do alphabetical. Um, you are a madman. <laughs> um, so the heavyweight championship fight is whatever Marvel book we think is our favorite, is the most exciting. This is the book I would read first for Elias. It depends on the week. Um, and for me, a lot of the time, um, I'm excited about X-Men stuff, but there's usually something that's, uh, that's my very favorite. Um, so like for a while, that probably was Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. I just like there was new issues of Mortal Hulk and I couldn't wait to read it and uh, I still love Immortal Hulk but now it's maybe the third or fourth thing I read in a given week. Um, is there a recent series that you have an example of that would have been your heavyweight champion hypothetically a couple weeks or months ago? Hypothetically a couple weeks or months ago it would almost certainly have been Immortal Hulk. Perfect. I am uh, the undisputed it's champion. weird because I'm a huge sucker for horror even though being a big baby when it comes to horror particularly movies and tv but give me a good horror comic and oh you you got me there's there's nothing else <laughs> just just feed it to my feed it to my veins well uh, but don't make it just knives to veins because that no i'm good wow you really uh went on that journey real fast that just took a turn um the way this is going to work is every time we read a book, it's going to challenge our current champion. Um, and um, so this means that uh, it, my book was Immortal Hulk, and every time I read a Marvel book, that would be a match between that book and the Immortal Hulk. And the Immortal Hulk would defend its title of the most exciting book. And um, if nothing was better than it, if I we- ended that week and I said, you know what, Immortal Hulk was still the best book. It remains champion. Next week, everything I read, that also goes up against Immortal Hulk. And each one of those reads, that's a match too. And if nothing, if I say, you know what, I love this. This was my most exciting book this week, but it's not better than Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk remains the champion. And sometimes your champions are going to reign for many weeks. And sometimes they're going to rise and fall every other week. Um, Mm -hmm. So this week, we're going to talk about um, each of our um, inaugural champions and eventually, um, my champion, Elias' champion, are going to battle in a contest of champions, the rules of which have yet to be determined. And potentially wh- whether or not the champion will retroactively count for, you know, any previous champions or... Well, that would be unifying the belt. Not. 
we'll have to figure that out. You never unify the belt. <laughs> you never unify. Well, I mean, sometimes sometimes you sometimes books get a second chance to to challenge the last minute. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting curb stomped. This. Wow, you don't even watch wrestling, and you're already talking about curb stomping people. We're gonna make a Seth Rollins fan out of you yet. Oh God. <laughs> I know I know my cursory wrestling stuff. Like I said, there's way too much overlap between things that I like. My girlfriend's really into wrestling right now as well with me, as long as I've been into wrestling, actually. And um, mm-hmm. whenever I tell her I'm going to record a podcast or do anything with Elias, she asks me if I walk with Elias. And I tell her that oh, I do. God. Oh, God. I only know that because of Jess and Ken on Twitter. <laughs> I just I just see Elias did something and I'm like, oh shit, what did I do this time? Oh, it's always amazing. Elias can do no wrong. He just sings songs and he's mean to people. He's wonderful. <laughs> he sang um Sounds like me. Yeah, right. He's just mean and he sings songs. He sang um uh A Star is Born. What was uh Shallow? He sang that one time, that was real good. Oh, I didn't see that movie. Um well he sang the Lady Gaga song and it was great. Alright, so who's going first? On this well, I explained the rules. Yeah, you should uh, inaugurate your champion first, I think. All right. So my inaugural champion. So I I actually had three slowly battle it out, and two got defeated before we recorded. Uh, I started with Immortal Hulk, and then I read an issue of X-Men, and that kicked it off. And then I read Spider-Man Noir, and that kicked it off. And then Immortal Hulk again, and that kicked it off. But I have to say I have settled as of right now, on Empire X-Men number one. Wow, a miniseries. So this is going to be a short reign. Oh, yeah. This thing will not last more than four four check-ins and p- potentially could be defeated in between. Let's, we will find out. I already, I already spoke at length about why I love this series and why it's so much fun. And it, it beat out Immortal Hulk because I think it just caught me at the right moment. It was, and because it's fun. It's fresh. Uh, most recent, it doesn't. It, you don't yeah. have to worry about uh, baggage from the before times where you don't remember something. And also with the Mortal Hulk, Mortal Hulk is very heavy and does a lot and forces you to think a lot, which I do enjoy. And I think I think you get there's definitely a lot to think about in Empire X Men, and you can see that whenever whenever they kind of get a little more technical and they're talking about the, the intergroup relations and the politics, but then you just get alien plants versus mutant zombies and i can just sit back and enjoy alien plants versus mutant zombies not have to worry about it not have to worry about reading these pages that are just so thick with ink that's practically dripping (laughs) which i love but again empire x-men kind of just knocked it out beat it potentially on a technicality maybe Maybe well, there 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 are no ring outs in, in professional wrestling. Uh, right any, there, there could, there's many ways professional wrestling can go. But they can't just not. You're not knocked out of a ring and you lose. There's certain matches. They're always they're always running around this the ring and hitting each other with chairs. Uh, there's certain matches where if you get knocked out, you lose, such as the Royal Rumble well, match. Oh. Uh, and that one, if you get thrown out, you lose. Fair enough. Um, and this is kind of a Royal Rumble. Yeah. You, so well. Immortal Hulk got threw out of the ring, whether or not that was by sheer merit or by some uh, just catching him off guard, we'll never know. Or a bad booking decision. Because um, it's not going to last, unlike my cut, pick. Cut a poor promo. Um, unlike my pick for my inaugural 
Worldwide Marvel Heavyweight Championship. Let's go. What Champion. is it? Empire X-Men? And it is Daredevil by oh. Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto. 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 With colors by... Marco. Oh, my God. With colors by Mattia uh, Iacono. Can we, can we just marvel also at, at uh, I think, it, uh, Tedesco's covers? Absolutely. Every single one of his covers are... That shit should win Eisner's. That shit should be posted on people's walls. They are beautiful, and they are. I think those covers will go down as some of the most iconic Daredevil covers out there. Uh, I love them. Um, Elias, are you a big follower of Daredevil for a long time? No. Um, I followed the Charles Soule run, and I read the Mark Wade Chris Samney run, but. The beyond that, I have not read the classic classics of Miller or any of the Marvel Knight stuff. Uh, I, I don't think I read the Bendis Malib Daredevil run. Uh, yeah, oh, you no. will. Oh jeez. Oh dear. That's, oh god. That's definitely on uh, on the list of potential books we could read. But um, I love Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil so much because it is the exact same premise as every Daredevil comic for the past 20 years, and uh, they just are doing it again, and somehow it's the best version. It's the eighth time they've done this story, and somehow he's done it better than the last seven. That's incredible. It's because just Zdarsky really knows how to write. As much as, <laughs> as much as we might have, we might have, you know, been like, oh, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Chip Zdarsky knows how to write funny, he knows how to write serious, and he knows how to go for the jugular. Yeah, and um, this this is just the best. Every part of this that you would want to see it's um is Matt Murdock's secret identity is threatened. Kingpin is in power. Matt's on the outs with other superheroes. The way his Catholic guilt is being played against his sense of like uh, the meaning of the law. It's just like everything that Daredevil is about. All the rich nuance and texture of this weird, crazy superhero character um, is all, every part of it's being used simultaneously, and it's just like the best, I think this might be the best Daredevil's been since the last best time that Daredevil's ever been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I feel that. I feel you. And I think another thing that works really well with this book, Zdarsky has set it in Hell's Kitchen, and it takes place in Hell's Kitchen. You you really feel the New Yorkiness. You really feel the neighborhood. The characters, they live there. It's not just window dressing. It's not just a set. It is a place, and it's a city, and it, it's all alive. So while you're reading it, you're seeing Daredevil figure out who he is in this place, how the place affects him, as well as... Well, one of the other things is Zdarsky is really approaching it from many different layers. He's approaching the class struggles of the different characters. Like when he's focusing on Fisk, who is still the mayor, and I think that's the best decision Marvel or Marvel editorial, whoever, made the decision not to reverse that. Someone said Fisk is mayor until Donald Trump's not president. I hope it lasts longer because I think Fisk as mayor. Yeah, and we deserve is to remember a very interesting. Zdarsky has made, has taken what could have been the most boring decision ever, and made it super interesting. And even like the end of Souls Run with that, I thought he did a great job of of really 
playing with Kingpin as mayor, but now that Kingpin has been mayor, he is now also coming, butting up against basically old money, old money, deep institutionalized and and powerful and influential people who shape laws. They're trying to buy up are shaped by the laws, all the weed, in, so that that they have put they can in. legalize it and sell it. Yeah, yeah, that's genius. Yeah, it's about everything. It's the it's fantastic. It's the maybe the best Daredevil. I mean, I can't really make that decision without having read most of the other iconic runs. Um, I know there's some Daredevil maybe in the in the early parts that I've missed, but I've read a lot of the Daredevil there is. And I'm sure I, I there's not a single Marvel series that I can promise I read every issue in the '90s of. <laughs> like me, was that no Mar- Marvel Knights was the early 2000s. Yeah, I've read the Marvel Knights Daredevil stuff, including the Kevin Smith run, which is cringe. I have not. Um, I, I that's not to say I don't own the whole thing in trade. It just. <laughs> Um, my favorite Daredevil comic ever is um, uh, was a tie between uh, Ed Brubaker's The Devil in Cell Block D, which is about Matt Murdock has to serve in prison with all the uh, bad guys who know he put them there. Mm-hmm. Um, classic. Great. And um, the Wade story about Daredevil, Bullseye, and uh, Ikari, the Fury. Oh. That's that story. Those two Daredevil stories. And this one might be both of them. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. And it feels like he's Zdarsky is just getting started. I really hope he lasts on this title longer than the issues. Longer than 50. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Really cement as one of the long run, a long running run, which we don't get very much in comics these days, especially not a long running that feels as solid and put together. Looking at looking at you. Although a lot of their long runs in the rebirth era were because uh, double shipping, so it's a little, little harder to to make the compare. Uh, you would know better than me, <laughs> I suppose. Yep, I read a lot of comics, people. I I take this job seriously, uh, and that's why half of my reviews are just fart jokes. That's that's how uh, we do. That's how we show respect in the biz. I think I think we might be getting a little punchy, so it might be time to wrap up for this week. Yeah, uh, but we should talk about what uh, we're going to be doing next time. Mm-hmm. So next time is the return of the Make Mine Multiversity Book Club. Uh, the third, this is the third of the uh, fresh, all-new... Make Mine Multiversity 2.0 Now Avengers Era. And we will be discussing the five-issue limited series, Modox 11. And it had uh, another another name. What's it? Super Villain Team yeah, Up? Yeah, Super Villain Team Up colon Modox 11 is how I've seen it uh, identified most of the time. And we will be discussing that come next week. Thank you all for joining us. And where can they find you on the larger interwebs, Jake? Um, I could be found writing and editing on multiversitycomics.com. It's a really great website. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at rambling underscore moose. I talk about comics. I'll talk to you. I'll talk about what we talked about here, maybe. Come find out. Yeah. And you can find me at Quetzal-ish, Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. Right, there's more to that. 
on Twitter. Uh, if you tag me in things, if you at me, I will see it uh, when I check in every three or four days. So if you are talking about this show and you want us to actually see it, please do at me. Otherwise, I will never see it. I am not a compulsive name checker. I also don't have access to the university Twitter backend. So if you are tweeting at them, we might hear about it. We'll probably hear about, we'll it, hear about but, it. Yeah, we'll hear about it, but not, not, not as directly. So if you really, if you're dying to let us know what we got wrong, what we got right, uh, if you want to suggest a book, if you want to just kind of be like, hey, I really liked this portion, we could use the validation, please. We, we might might be talking to the void, I don't know. Uh, I always feel like I'm talking or writing at the void. And when people say, oh, I read your article or listen to your podcast, I go, really? You sure it wasn't from uh, Earth 1612? It's a really nice feeling. It is. It's a great feeling. And we appreciate all of you who listen, even if we don't know who exactly it is, because, you know, the internet. You know the internet, yeah. Uh, you know the internet. Excelsior. <laughs>